that's what we're going to be focusing on today. We're going to be um, talking about leadership through love. That's actually our title for today's sermon. Um, and even in today, taking communion, and um, we saw how God, Jesus, was such an example, even in that moment of modeling and leadership. Something that we're going to really dig into today is servant leadership and modeling. And even in taking our communion today, we saw that Jesus showed his people. He took communion with them. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He not only um, delegated tasks or told people what to do, but he was right there with his people and did it with them. So even this morning in communion, that was just a perfect example um, of how God is a leader, but he does things with us. He is a servant leader. Um, and that's what we're going to be digging into today. Um, and we're just going to really be talking about how there is one non-negotiable truth of leadership and that is that the foundation of it must always be love. That is non-negotiable. The scripture that I just read um, today talks about how we should lead. It kind of gives us a little bit of um, guidance on how to be a leader, right? Um, and it specifically talks about church leaders, but it is not only delegated to that, right? We're, this this uh, scripture that we read today is not only for church leaders, right? Because all of us in some capacity can really relate to this, right? Um, most of us, if not all of us, right, are leaders in some capacity. Um, and I want you each right now to just take a second um, to just think about an area where you're a leader, right? Um, and maybe if there isn't a particular area where you are a leader right now, think of an area where you have the capacity to be a leader, Think of your talents, your gifts. Where are areas that you can really begin to sow into your gift of leadership? Um, also, what were the things that, were, that you were working towards in fulfilling that purpose? What are the steps that led you there? Um, and what's required of you as you're walking through it? Whether we're pastors, we're leading our families at home, we're school teachers, um, managers or CEOs, whether we're soft-spoken and working behind the scenes or we're confident and boisterous, we are all leaders. We are all leaders. In being leaders, we understand, as we read before, that not only are we expected to share in his coming glory, but we also expect to suffer in the process, right? Oftentimes, people look at the glamorous side of leadership, and they see how, you know, there's, there's leaders, church leaders, or just other kind of leaders that are on TV, and they have nice houses, and they have nice cars, and all this stuff. But oftentimes, what we don't see is the behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on, right? Some of the suffering that's going on, the work that it takes, the diligence that it takes, right? It, it, it can look very glamorous, but there's so much more um, that's expected of leaders, right? And as a servant leader, you have to be willing and ready to get down into the trenches with your people, right? As leaders, we don't just, you know, watch and delegate, but we are expected to also get down into the trenches. As a service host, for example, right, even though at some times I kind of question how, you know, leadery this position is, I recognize that I am a leader here, 
right? And I could easily every Sunday come up here, follow the script, do what I'm asked to do, and do a great job, right? Get a pat on the back, go home. And that would be enough, right? I would have fulfilled whatever duty that I needed to, to do on that day. Um, however, as leaders, we're expected and we're called by God to do more than just that, right? Um, we're called to serve with glad hearts. If that means scrubbing toilets, right? So we have um, Lionel, who's also the senior ministry leader here with us, and myself and Lionel were here the day before Easter scrubbing toilets, right? So you may be like, oh, the service host, that's so much fun. Oh, the leader, you know, the ministry leader, that's so much fun. There are things that go on behind the scenes, and each and every person has to be willing to literally scrub toilets if that's what it takes, right? Um, we have to understand that as leaders, we cannot ever have the mindset that we are above any task, that we are above anything, no matter how highly we're revered. We'll get into that a little bit later on, a little deeper, right? But I want you guys to think of workplaces, right? Whether it's workplaces you've been at in the past or workplaces that you're currently at now. What are some of the qualities that differentiated between a good leader good leader, right? And a bad leader. Think about it, right? I personally have had bosses that have had offices literally right next to mine, right? And have conferenced me in using their phone, right? Like not getting up out of their seats and coming to my door, but conferencing me on my phone, right? And telling me that I need to get it done, however it's going to get done, no questions asked, no whining, no complaining, just do it, right? From the comfort of their own office, um, pretty much just telling me what I needed to do, right? And then I've had bosses, similar to my current boss, right? Where I have literally had bosses who have taken pay cuts, right? Who have taken pay cuts to ensure that their staff is intact, that their staff is happy, and that their staff is getting what they need. So I'm pretty sure that it's not hard for you guys, right, to understand um, in those two examples, which one would be a good leader and which one, or which one would be a servant leader and which one was not really willing to get in the trenches with us. A lot of times as leaders, we manage others, right? So even in the scripture we read today, it talked about Jesus being a shepherd, right? Which means we herd, like a shepherd herds sheep, right? Gathers people, um, tells them where to go, leads them, right? And so oftentimes we manage people. We delegate tasks to other people. And something that I have noticed each and every time is that the difference between a leader who is serving and a leader who is not is that there is this sense of camaraderie, compliance, um, willingness from the people underneath them to work together because of the example that that leader is showing, right? And in the other example of the boss who doesn't even get out of their seat, right, to talk to you, I have also seen that there is a level of disconnectedness and an un a level of unwillingness, right? Collect my paycheck and I'm going home because I can't do this anymore, right? So the reference scripture talks about how our attitude as we serve, not how great we are at serving, right? So we could be great on paper, right? but it is our attitude that the Lord rewards. 
We do for others, not because we have to, but because we want to please God. I'll say that again. We do for others, not because we have to, but because we want to please God. We need to ensure that when we're leading, we check the motives of our heart. Are we doing things because we want acknowledgement or because we're being called to do it? Are we doing things out of a place of obligation or because we're after God's own heart? Matthew 6 talks extensively about how we shouldn't practice our righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. How our doing should be in secret so that it says, in, so like it says in Matthew 6, 4, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We live in a society right now where we thrive off of instant gratification, right? We need really, really high levels of reward, praise, recognition. If you guys don't know the story of Ananias, I want to take a second to just familiar, familiarize you with it. Um, his story is in Acts chapters 4 and 5. Um, at this time, right, the believers would come together as a community to ensure that everyone amongst them had everything that they needed. So they kind of shared everything that they had. They had this community mindset that nobody would go hungry or nobody would be in need, nobody would be in lack, right? So from time to time, people would sell their land, people would sell their homes, and they'd bring all of the money from the sales to the feet of the Apostle Paul, who would then distribute it to everybody else, right? To ensure that everybody had. There was a man named Joseph who was seen very highly by the apostles, and they actually called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold his land. He put his, all of the money from the sale at Paul's feet. And then a man named Ananias, knowing the culture and the generosity of the time, sold his land, but the difference between Ananias and Barnabas was that he secretly kept a portion of the money for himself, right? And then he went and he put the rest at Paul's feet with the intention to say, this is everything, right? So dishonestly, he said, this is everything, all of the proceeds. His wife, Sapphira, she saw what he had done, but she didn't say anything. She kind of kept quiet. Um, so Paul called Ananias and the motives of his heart out in that moment. He knew what he had done, and he said, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Ananias fell down right at his feet and died in that moment. A few hours later, his wife, Sapphira, asked Peter, um, was asked by Peter, right, was that the total amount that you guys received, you know, from the sale? And she didn't yet know what had happened to her husband, right? That he had been outed from his, by his behaviors, right? And she said yes. She told Peter, yes, this was everything, right? So in that moment, Peter also called her out and said, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. She too fell at his feet and died. So I imagine that Ananias and Sapphira saw how highly revered Barnabas was and how faithful of a servant he was, and they wanted to also um, 
be seen that way, right? Um, but again, like I said, the difference was the motive of their heart here, right? Um, even if Peter hadn't recognized their deception, the Lord would have still seen what was done in secret, right? The motive of their hearts caused them to behave in a deceptive manner, which not only invalidated the very gift they sought to bring before God, but also led them to death. So you may be asking yourself, right? How can I ensure that the motives of my heart are pure? It's a hard question, right? We need to first be looking at the posture of our heart. If you guys remember our Transform series, we talked about the heart and how important it is um, for the posture of our heart in being imitators of Christ. The posture of our heart helps us to understand and is an important aspect of being imitators of Christ. So remember, the posture of your heart will influence your behavior, just like in the story of Ananias. The posture of our heart often comes from events, right, that trigger emotions, which lead to thoughts, which lead to our behaviors, right? This is, I'm a therapist, and this is like CBT 101, right? An event happens, we get triggered, we have an emotion or feelings about it, those feelings lead us to having thoughts, and those thoughts oftentimes lead to our behaviors, right? And anytime we have questions about our behavior, we first have to look at Christ as the ultimate example. Everybody remembers, or you still remember now, the phrase, what would Jesus do, right? There were points in time where it was trendy, you had the little bracelet and all of that, right? Um, but I think it lost its meaning over time because of that, right? It became just this cool thing to say, but were people really, truly living their lives that way? So we still have to actually look back at that, that as a guide for us, right? In how we act, what would Jesus do? In how we speak, what would Jesus say? One of the purposes of having been given the word of God is so that we can have insight into who Jesus is, right? And if we have insight into who he is, we can test the motives of our heart when we are in positions of leadership. What we know about Christ above all else is that everything he does is rooted in love. Everything he does is rooted in love. I'm going to take a second to read 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, and it says, If I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, right? Like, I'm just making noise. It doesn't mean anything. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So let's take a second to break that down, right? This passage talks about the gifts of speaking in tongues, talks about prophecy, having faith, giving to the poor, and working hard. It says that you can have all of these things, right? You can be a model citizen, you can look great on paper, but without love, it all means nothing, that's a pretty strong statement, right? It doesn't say it's going to be less impactful without love or maybe it won't be that big of a deal without love. It literally says nothing. It means nothing without love. 
The end of the chapter, verse 13, goes on to say, and now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So think about a relationship you've been in, right? Whether it's a friendship, a romantic relationship, family, any kind of relationship, right? And now think back at a time where somebody did something for you that was out of a place of obligation, right? Like rather than a place of love. It could have been the grandest gesture, right? But without love, it feels fake, it feels forced, it feels empty. In contrast, think of a time where even the smallest gesture that somebody did for you, but with great deep love, how powerful that felt, how genuine and special that felt. So this actually reminds me of an example from yesterday. Um, yesterday, we were with a couple of friends hanging out outside, and um, there were a few kids there. My kids were there, and some other friends' kids were there. Um, and we have a friend who's just so joyful um, and so loving around children, right? And at no point in time does anybody ask her, you know, can you watch the kids? Can you make sure that they have snacks or water? Can you make sure that they don't get hurt? You know, nobody's asking her to do that. But you just see her step up in this way, taking care of the kids. And what you see at the foundation of what she is doing is love and care. This is a genuine um, gesture from her heart, right? She's following the kids around. She's making sure they're good. She's making sure they're not going up the stairs and getting hurt. Um, and you could just see that in that act of leadership, because that's what that was in that moment, right? She stepped up and took on a role that nobody really asked her to do, but she did it with such great love, and you could see that. You could feel that. So even in the verse that we read before, right, it says that love itself is greater and more important than faith and hope. So to drive that point home one more time, let me say this. When we are doing things for others, whether it's helping others, praying for others, teaching, regardless of what we're doing for others, if our heart is not operating out of love, it all means nothing to God. So I'd check yourself, right? If the things that you're doing are not rooted in love, you may very well be wasting your time. I mean, the word says it right here. It means nothing to him without love. So why in the world is love more the most important? Why is that the thing that God chooses to stay here is the most important above all? Well, the reason for this is because there, you know, why we're sitting here today, why we're standing here today is because of one specific act of love, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but should have eternal life. There it is, right? The Father gave us the Son out of place of love, and the Son died for us out of a place of love. If love was not the foundation, where would we get the ability to even have faith or hope? Love must come first. In being loved and in loving, that is where we find faith, 
and hope. Love, that is the foundation of all things. The Lord calls us to lead with a foundation of love, like I just said, in a manner that is careful and persistent in order to please God. When our motive is to please God because we love him, this will be the marker that indicates that your heart is in the right place, right? We said, how can we check our motives? How do we know if our heart is in the right place? When we lead, we are to lead by example as Christ did. I said it this morning, right? Um, in communion, right? He led by example. He showed his people how to do it. People often look at us for examples to determine what is right and wrong. And when I say us, I'm talking about leaders, right? So as mentioned before, we should be looking at who God is through his word to understand what God's standard is. Not our standard, God's standard. Proverbs 14:12 says, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. Right? Think about Ananias again. Literally, his way was the way to death. So essentially what this means is that if we're going based off of the law or maybe some unspoken set of morals that we have or our own definition of right and wrong, we can easily misstep. Let's take a look back at Ananias for a second, one more time. Let's surmise that perhaps he kept part of the money because he was afraid that in his time of need, there wouldn't be enough, right? Remember before we talked about cognitive behavioral therapy and how something triggers us, we get a feeling, that feeling creates um, a thought, and that thought creates us to, uh, encourages us to act in a certain way, right? So let's just say that he was worried, right? And that worry led him to act, right? To act in a deceptive manner. And that deceptive manner in which he acted led to death, right? So maybe he thought it was unfair, right? Maybe he thought this is my, maybe he had some resentment over the system, right? He thought it was unfair. Um, given that he made that money off of the land, his own land, wouldn't we say that you know, maybe it wasn't so bad what he did. That was his land. He deserved to have that money. He was able to hold on to it maybe for a rainy day. What's the big deal, right? You know, there's the Robin Hood mentality that we can steal from the rich and give it to the poor because the rich have a lot and um, the poor don't have. And, and what, what could possibly be wrong with that, right? So I'm sure in these examples you can see that it's a very slippery slope, you can begin to rationalize that things are right and that things make sense, but it's a very slippery slope and we have to go back to the word of God and we have to go back to the example of Christ to be able to stay in line, right? And it's important for us as leaders to understand what God's standard is because it should be our moral compass. As a leader, if I am not careful, the things I say or the things I do can actually be harmful and lead people astray if they're not reflective of Christ. Again, we must turn to Jesus and the example that he left us. The main passage that we read this morning earlier on, our scripture of the day, said, not bossily telling others what to do, but tenderly showing them the way. This is the key to leading by example. 
Another popular term that we use for leading by example is modeling, right? I don't know if you guys have ever heard this term. Um, and one of the easiest kind of examples to apply modeling to is parenthood, right? Children look at their parents um, to know, to understand, and to ultimately follow certain behaviors and traits. There's a value in seeing people do rather than just being told what to do. Sometimes I wonder if this, um, this scripture is actually where the phrase actions speak louder than words comes from, right? 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. It happens at a painfully frequent rate where leaders, and remember, we are all leaders in some capacity, give off the message of do as I say, not as I do. Where leaders are not willing to do the same tasks, right, whether it's staying late at the office or, like I said before, scrubbing toilets, as they instruct their people to do. Jesus, the Son of Man, the light of the world, washed his disciples' feet, right? John 13, 12 uh, John 13, 12 through 17 said, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus made it very clear that he did this, that he set this example, because he expected the disciples to also go out and serve the same way that he did. Jesus himself was not above washing feet. Earlier in the chapter, the disciples were appalled at the idea of Jesus doing such a thing. As leaders, we cannot have an attitude of things being below us. Even Jesus, the ultimate example, did not have that attitude. Something I've been trying to do myself, you know, as a leader, um, and sometimes I'm better at it than other times, um, is to offer up my help, right? If there's a solution, um, offer up solutions or offer up my help if there's, a, if there's an issue, right? It wouldn't make any sense if I had input on a matter but was not willing to execute the plan myself. As a leader, I don't send people, well, I should say, as leaders, we shouldn't send people, right, to go and do things that we wouldn't do ourselves. There's obviously some caveats here, right? Like if you can't play drums and you need somebody to play drums, you may have to ask somebody to do that for you, right? Because you don't have the skill and the talent. And we know that we can actually help people um, to learn how to be leaders themselves, right? By delegating tasks and asking them to do things for us. And this isn't what we're talking about, right? We're talking about that in our human capability, we should have the attitude of always being willing, right, to serve and to do uh, what it is that we want others to do as well. We should always 
be willing to serve as leaders. In short, we must always position our hearts towards love. We must humble ourselves and understand that our thoughts, our attitude, and our behaviors must always reflect Christ. At the beginning of the message, I encouraged you all to think of an area where you as a leader, um, where you are a leader, right, or you have the potential to be a leader. And I hope that in hearing this today, it challenged you to reflect on your qualities as a leader and whether or not you're leading from a foundation of love. Are you, are you reflecting Christ? Are there areas where you can reflect him more? So we're going to pray really quickly, um, and we're just going to ask God that he open our hearts, right, and he show us these areas. Lord God, we thank you so much for being the ultimate example of leadership. We thank you, God, that through your word we are able to understand and get the knowledge that we need, Lord, on how to be leaders who are willing to serve out of a foundation of love. We thank you, God, that you strengthen us, Lord. You show us the way, God. We ask that you expose areas in our hearts, Lord, that are unpure, God, that you open us up in areas, God, to see where it is that we can better serve you, where we can be better leaders in your example, God. We thank you, God, that you not only, you know, um, gave us an example, God, but you went down in the trenches, Lord. You suffered with us, God. And we are eternally grateful, Lord, that in your servanthood, what you exhibited out of all things was love. That there was never, ever a question, God, about whether or not you loved us enough, God, because you made the ultimate sacrifice, God. You died for us, God. Lionel said it before, not just for our past sins, our current sins, but our future sins. We thank you, God, that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be number one. We don't have to thrive and strive, God, to be the best. What we need to know, God, is that if we are leading out of a foundation of love, you will lead the path for us, God. You will light the way, Lord. We thank you, God, for your ultimate example, and we ask, Lord, that as we go this week, you strengthen us. You encourage us, God. You remind us, Lord. We talked about some of those automatic thoughts that come into our minds, right? When we're triggered, God, we ask that you help us recognize those, Lord, and that you help us to shift the way we are thinking, God. Put verses in our minds, whisper in our ears, God. Shift our behaviors, Lord, so that our foundation is always love. Because we know that if our foundation is love, God, we will not be led astray. We thank you, God, for everything that you spoke here this morning. And we ask that you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.